Welcome to Avatar with Academics. My name is Sam Mulberry, and I have never watched Avatar The Last Airbender. And I'm Annie Berglund, and I have watched it before. Annie, we have made it to Book to Earth, Chapter 16, and I'm really excited for this title, Appa's Lost Days. Yes. How excited were you when you first saw the title? I will say I've seen this title sitting there for a while. <laughs> like, I knew this was coming because I can't, you can't help but see the episode titles. So, like, even this one points to another episode. This episode points to another episode coming uh, down the line a little bit. But so I knew, I knew we were going to get to this point. Yep. And I could tell by the title, even before I watched it, like, oh, they're going to do something interesting here. Mm. They're going to uh, take up a. We're gonna go backwards, you know. So, so, uh, and 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 figure out what what we've missed from Appa's experience, yeah, and from Appa's point of view, largely, yeah, a lot of it, which we've never really had before. Now, this is one of your favorite episodes. Yeah, um, this is another that I cried at. I okay. didn't this time around, but I remember distinctly crying at it the first time. I okay, watched I want it. you to point out the cry spots as we go through oh, it. As man. we go through it, like, just the waterworks once they start. Yeah, you can't stop yeah. it. Um, this episode's fun too. Well, it's, I mean, I don't know if fun's the right word, but it, did you know that it won a, an award? It did. Yeah. I in, did not uh, know this. Yeah. I, it, so in March, 2007, it won the Genesis Award from the Humane Society of the United States. That makes sense. Yes. Which, yes. Listeners, if you haven't watched it yet, you'll see why it makes sense. But uh, it, it's in the category for outstanding children's programming. And uh, so they, yeah, I was looking through some of the history of the Genesis Award and there's a bunch of different categories. So things like Blackfish for documentaries, kind of those bigger names. And then for the children's programming, um, that year there was another show, The Simpsons got an award that year too. Um, They had an episode about bullfighting. Oh, interesting. And they said uh, like part of the award was like they took the bull out of bullfighting or something. I don't know. But yeah, um, uh, apparently they had some like bigger message in one of the Simpsons sure. episodes that year. But yeah, so this episode alone, not the series, right. is what received sure, um, the sure. award. So this is this is near and dear to your heart, yes. right? Because, I mean, you, full disclosure, you teach a course on animal ethics, and this is really a, a pretty strong statement about animal ethics, like in lots of different ways. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I also like that it's, I mean, it's a children's show, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, there is a point in this episode too where, I wrote down in my notes, is this still a children's show? Right? Mm-hmm. Like, um, it has one of the darkest lines that I have ever heard in a kid's show. Yes. And what I really appreciate, and um, I, I more and more I feel like I understand the importance of children's literature. Like maybe in the last couple of years, I don't know if this is true for you, but I feel like there's been more said about like representation in kids books mm-hmm. um, and like the importance of really starting early with some themes and skill building and development. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, empathy is something that you see throughout this series, but especially in this episode. So I'm really excited about that too. Um, I know like I wouldn't care as much about animal ethics today if it weren't for the fact that like my favorite chapter book uh series was like 50 books called Hank the Cow Dog and like favorite movies were all about like from an animal's perspective. So I really like this. Well, and I will say another thing that 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 uh, this episode does is if Appa was not already a full-blown character for you, because we joke about like the Millennium Millennium Appa where he's like <laughs> he's like part Chewbacca and part Millennium Falcon. Like he's a character, but he's also their ship, kind of. Mm-hmm. So it's like, it's easy, and, and he doesn't speak. 
Yes. And, you know, we've seen with Momo, Momo doesn't even understand human language whenever right. we see Momo's perspective, but Appa does. If, if, if what we're seeing is to be believed, Appa understands the people talking to him. Because yeah. when we get Momo or Appa vision, we actually hear the voices. Yeah. Um, so, and, and then, I mean, as we get to the end of this, like, we're just really going to see that Appa is, uh, he's definitely a character in terms of he has a richness, he has a history, he has trauma that he deals with. Um, but he also, like, has a plot line now, too. Yeah, I kind of, by the end, I was, like, pretty convinced that he's probably one of the most important characters in the series. Yeah, yeah. And uh, it also challenges me because uh, I know the first time I watch it, you kind of watch through Aang, right? Like, he's he's the main character. And then I think this time around, at the start, I was watching through Katara because I'm now a 29-year-old woman and, like women's experiences is important to me. It would be really interesting to watch the series from Appa, don't mm-hmm. you think? Mm-hmm. To really yeah. consider. I think this episode is a challenge to do that, is to say like, okay, let's like let's take that character as seriously. And I, and I will say we've tried to take everything seriously <laughs> as we've done this, and, but I don't know. I think Appa's pretty easy to not pay too much attention to. Right. And, yeah. Even, I mean, even between him and Momo, Momo's much more out there and, like, he, there's more interaction. It's where... in part because Momo can go on the missions with them and Appa's always, like, <laughs> waiting over here and then they blow the, the whistle and he comes, he, like, he's important because he swoops in and saves the day, but he's always the one, like, he's the, the getaway car, you know? It's like, he doesn't yeah. get to be as richly involved. So the fact that they gave him an episode is... Uh, gave him an episode that then launches him further and backwards too. I mean, it, like we get we get Appa flashbacks in this. Yeah. I did not expect that. I did not expect that, and um, they're pretty powerful. Yeah, uh, yeah. You know, and and yeah. So let's get into it. Let's, yes. let's get into the episode, um, and we'll go from there. So, I can't wait. So the episode opens on uh, the library. So a scene we've seen from the library, and we have text on the screen titles that read. Four weeks ago, mm-hmm. which is the first time we've seen titles indicating time, I think. Right, I think so. And I think it's the first time we've had flashbacks, but this is the first time we had we've had like we are going backwards in time, and we're going to show you some stuff you've seen before. And what I, what I didn't have time to do as I was preparing this is I should have gone back and watched the library because mm. what I want to know is I don't know if they just recycled shots or. I mean, obviously they did some new stuff, but I don't know if any of it was recycled or if this was the same scenes we've seen done a little bit differently. Sure. I think there's some recycled shots. At least that's my my memory of the library. There's They just reuse some stuff, which yeah. makes sense. I think from when uh, we're looking with Toph or like looking mm-hmm. at Toph, I think some of that is recycled. Yeah. So like, so what's cool about that is we get this uh, point of departure where it's like we've seen this but now we're going to tell you the other part of the story yeah we're gonna and and the cool thing about this story is it keeps intersecting with the story we've been watching for the last few episodes Mm -hmm. so we see Toph uh trying to hold the sinking library up while the sandbenders are trying to get their ropes uh around appa uh and we see appa fighting back and doing a good job of fighting back right he's tossing (laughs) sandbenders around swatting them with his tail uh, and we get to the the point where Toph releases the library to try to save Appa, and the um, the library starts to sink. So she has to choose, right? And she hears one of the sandbenders um, say, "Put a muzzle on it," which I don't remember. I know she says that 
uh, when they confront the sandbenders mm-hmm. uh, in the desert. But I don't remember if if you hear that in the library or not. Yeah, I guess Toph hears it and the yeah. audience doesn't. Yeah, we might. No, I just like I said, I yeah. just didn't rewatch it because I don't. I did. I just don't remember that. But it stood out to me this time because Toph says, "I remember your voice. You said put a muzzle on it." Mm-hmm. So. Um, and they try to do that, but to no avail. Oppa starts to fly away, uh, but the sandbenders bend their the sand around their feet to anchor them, and they keep throwing ropes, and they eventually bring him to the ground. Uh, we see three of the sand skiffs or sand sailors show up, and they hitch Oppa behind them, and they drag Oppa away. And we see Toph saying, and this we do re- I do remember from the episode, Toph just saying, "I'm sorry, Oppa." Like she had to make this this difficult choice so it's almost like it's choose your own adventure book right <laughs> and we've chosen one adventure and now we're getting the the one we the path we didn't follow yeah i i like that uh in the the library episode we don't see much of what's happening to appa like we hear him struggle but we don't really see him fight back and i think it's really important that they show him fight back because he's mm-hmm. not just like a big friendly giant right <laughs> like he's not just going to take the abuse right 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 no absolutely and and, and so so when toff says uh, i'm sorry appa we see one other shot that's really important because this is going to be a motif throughout this episode which is we get a close-up of appa's eyes and then we see appa's eyes close almost like he's just like resigned at this point like mm. toff can't save me there's too many of them. There's too many ropes. I can't save myself at this point. And so, like, it, they, that is a pretty crushing thing to see. And we're going to keep coming back to Appa's eyes. And we're going to see both into Appa's eyes and through Appa's eyes throughout this episode. I mean, I think if we wanted to subtitle Appa's Lost Days, we could say Appa's Lost Days, colon, eyes are windows to the soul, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. like that's really, like, this is so much about the eyes. Yeah. And it... It would be interesting, too, to go back and look at other... Because in the last couple episodes, we've had a lot of scenes with animals in captivity. Mm -hmm. And so to look at their eyes and think about, like... Because they're all caged. Like, Mm -hmm. at this point, he is resigned to being a caged animal. Right. Right. So uh, from here, we cut to the sandbenders. uh, And they're continuing to to drag Appa deeper into the desert. Uh, And once they are in a kind of more isolated area, they stop to ransack his saddle and look for any valuables. Uh, Appa's so tied up that he can't move his legs or fly. So two of the sandbenders jump up on his saddle, and Appa blows a huge gust, sending one of the sand skiffs into the sand dune. Um, this is so interesting because I don't remember Appa like doing the like airbender breathing thing before. He does it with his tail, but like he just does it with his with his breath. Yeah. So Appa is an airbender, right? Like like he just kind of is, right? Right. I mean, he's got to be. Or if not a bender, he has. He has um, air powers right. that, you know, in the same way that the um, uh, badger moles are earthbenders, you know, I think Appa is an airbender in that way. You know, I, I mean, we, we have seen these kind of like um, animals that are the origins for some of these bending things. Yeah. So, like, I wonder if the, if the sky bison are part of that for the air nomads. Yeah. And uh, a lot of the people we've met that seem to be pretty worldly. Uh, like the professor of Bossing Say, like he knows the connection. He didn't know what Momo was, but he knew what Appa was. So I wonder if there's like lore, there's some kind of foundational story about the bison right. being the first airbenders. Right. So it's interesting when he when he blows this this uh, sand skiff or whatever into in, like literally into the dune. So it's now under the sand. I got really excited <laughs> because you know this was this was I think the first indicator of oh we're gonna see things we've seen before. Uh, in a little bit different way, because um, 
one of the one of the sandbenders says, "What's your father going to say when he finds out we lost a sand sailor?" And he said, and the and the kind of leader of this group says, "Nothing. It's one we stole from the Hami tribe." This is the sand sailor that Aang and Toph and, and the group find. Yeah. And they're wondering, like, why is this buried under the sand? And it's, we just, so we didn't even know. I just assumed it was there for a long time because yeah, the same. sand was there. It's like, oh, actually, they're on, they're actually on Appa's trail right now. It's so point. smart. Yeah. The writers yeah. were so smart. Absolutely. Also, I like, <laughs> I think this is fulfilling that thing you wanted in the Tales of Bossing say, where it's like, this other story that interconnects with yes. everyone. I think this you got does, that satisfied. It does what I wanted there, right? <laughs> and and I will say, like, like we have two back-to-back episodes that are kind of formal experiments mm-hmm. um, in different ways. And I and I really loved and appreciated this one. So they start to go through the stuff on the saddle. They see sleeping bags, a parasol, or an umbrella, which I... It was so interesting because they're, they're so... They so consciously, like... It's there. One of the sandbenders even picks it up and like puts it over his head. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I, I don't remember where an umbrella came from. And you looked it up and found it. Yes. So, so where is this umbrella from? Um, it is from the man they found on the way to the fortune teller, right? Mm-hmm. The guy who I think it was a platypus bear. Mm-hmm. Or, yes. Yeah. It was. Yeah. That he was. That's the first platypus bear we encountered. Yeah. And he was like really chill about it. And then he gave them the anging an umbrella and said, you'll need it. Right. Or yeah, like the, the fortune, fortune teller. teller told us to give you this. And then it starts to rain. So. Yeah. So I loved that because it's like, oh, we're it's an indicator that we're going to be collecting items yeah. throughout the show. It also like plays into um we've sometimes talked about this having some moments that feel like video games mm-hmm. and my favorite kind of video games are the kinds that are like big stories where you have to collect items and use yeah. them and it's like oh they've been they've been collecting items. I mean the bison whistle is the greatest item that they collect <laughs> and realize how powerful that is, but that the that the parasol or the umbrella is with them. I I kind of loved. Um so we see that we see Sokka's machete thing i actually don't know we need to get to the bottom of what are the weapons he has because he has the boomerang he has the machete but then this is the one that has like the blue ball on it yeah and is this just like a club i don't know does it have a blade i could not i thought it had a blade but i couldn't tell here's why i wonder if it does um, because I guess another thing I should report is my family finally started watching Avatar. <laughs> so I've, this week I've rewatched almost basically all of season one and part of season two. And in, um, Return to Omashu, Tom mm. Tom is playing with whatever this is and Katara seems totally okay with it. So I'm thinking it's not a machete. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So it might just be like a club. That's probably true because I remember us watching Katara in that scene and we were like what yeah so <laughs> not okay so it's whatever he has that has that blue ball on it hmm. um yeah <laughs> we're, we're, did you know we were going to spend this much time on what's on in off a saddle um so they see it's all junk uh but they say it doesn't matter we'll still make a profit from selling him to those beetle-headed merchants and then it sort of cuts away from here and I'm, i would sorry go ahead no no go i was just gonna say what are they looking for because like all of those things i mean okay the parasol maybe not but like the, the water tribe club like i feel like that's a cool thing to stumble upon i think they're looking for stuff they can sell sure i mean like like and there's maybe just not a market for those things or maybe they don't understand what it is that they're seeing sure you know um but when they said the beetle-headed merchants i so much wanted the, to like encounter the merchants that we were going to see and that they were that beetle-headed means that they had like beetle mop top haircuts from the 60s <laughs> and maybe talked with liverpool accents that would have been amazing yeah yeah because there's actually a scene in the jungle book oh. where 
Um, they originally wanted, when Disney made the Jungle Book in the 60s, they originally wanted the Beatles to voice these, I, I don't forget, they're birds of some kind. Yeah. And they like... look like the Beatles, and they have Liverpool accents, so they had to get an, it, it fell it fell through to actually have the Beatles voice them. Yeah. But like, I was, when I heard be- Beetle-headed merchants, I was like, oh, please, just make them Liverpugly, and that would be so great. That's, yes, I remember that scene now. I think it was like buzzards or something, yeah, wasn't it? Yeah, it's some kind of bird, yeah. Yeah. Oh, funny. So, it's not, though, unfortunately. It's not. Uh, but it's it's actually almost as funny <laughs> because we see the two sand sailors drag uh, Appa to an encampment. We see three tents, and uh, I wrote an Appa-sized insect, although every time I say Appa-sized, the thing is never actually as big as Appa because <laughs> Appa's enormous. Um, this, but this huge insect. Uh, and it's populated by a few people, and they're, wear- they're literally wearing beetle hats. Like, right. Their hats look like the top half of a beetle. I mean, like... Is it dead beetles on there? I don't think so because they're like they're the creature that they use is this giant beetle. So maybe it's just a sign of like if you owned a trucking company and it had a mascot, like or you or you had a trucking company and you had a truck that was your signature truck and you had it on your hat. <laughs> it's kind of like that. Sure. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. I I guess I'm taking everything a little negatively when I watch this. Okay. So maybe. <laughs> okay. Well, I I don't particularly love the the beetle headed merchants. <laughs> Um, but the so so they inspect Appa and they ask how's his temper, and the the, the sandbender says pretty good, and then Appa roars. He says most of the time. <laughs> um, so the beetle merchant says, "I'll bet someone will pay a fortune for him in Bossing Safe," which made me think of the pirate trying to buy Momo. Yeah, it's like you know I could I could sell that for a fortune, right? Um, and he says, "Okay, you've got a deal." And they hand sandbender, the sandbenders a chest of what I presume is coins. They we don't actually see what's in it, but yeah, yeah. So they they made their big sale. That's what they wanted, right? Um, so then we see the giant beetle now preparing to pull Appa across the sand on like this wooden sled thing. Mm. So here's a question that I have. Okay. Um, do you feel like this is an episode that makes you feel affection for Appa and the animals? Do you feel that way about this giant insect? Yeah. Okay. I just wanted to make sure. Like, I wanted to, I, this is like an ideological purity <laughs> test for you. It's like, I'm going to keep asking you, this animal, do you feel that way about? I feel, yeah. I mean, like, I think I've mentioned in a couple previous episodes when we see people that are riding on animals mm-hmm. and the way that they're treated. And you can kind of, I feel like you get a good window into who that character is yep. by yep. knowing how they're treating the animals that yep. they ride. Yep. And this is definitely like a beast of burden. Yes. Right. Um, so then we see Aang. We cut from there to Aang. I was surprised to see Aang. Mm-hmm. We see Aang flying across the desert, calling out for Appa, blowing on the bison on the bison whistle. And uh, and I think that's also a scene from the desert. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we see Appa is roused. We get the shot of his eyes open, open up wide, roused by hearing the bison whistle. And here we get our first scene of Appa vision, where we're actually seeing through Appa's eyes. It's a little fisheye lensy, you mm-hmm. know, like it's not colored like Momo vision, but it's a little like around the edges, it's a little distorted. So that's how we know we're at. We're seeing through Appa's eyes. Um, he looks around and he starts kind of rocking the sled that he's on. Uh, and the sandbenders right away and say, well, he's your problem now. So like they've basically made the money they were going to make off him. They probably could have made more if they brought him to Bossing say, but... He's too much of a handful. Mm-hmm. Um, so we see Appa slam his tail down and start to fly, dragging the giant beetle behind him. And the merchant says, we need the shear shoe spit darts, which made me excited because the shear shoe is the animal that June 
uh, rides and uses to hunt down uh, hunt down her the fugitives that she's getting bounties on. Also very dark, yeah. I think. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but that they ha- that they have this as like a uh, an item that they use. Right, right. right. And it. how do you extract that from a sheer shoe? No spit. It's a, they say spit dart. Yeah, so but like, like holding them down. You know, maybe, everything here but is maybe not... sheer shoes. Okay. Yeah, I, I, I will i will play the counterpoint it's like the sheer shoe uses its tongue a lot maybe there's a lot of just residual spit you can go around and collect and it's no. not well but if it if it serves a purpose you know yeah so <laughs> the tranquilizer yes you know uh and he says okay big fella it's uh you're gonna take a nice little snoozle i think it's i wrote that quote just because he used the word snoozle which was funny and he uses a blowgun to shoot three darts into appa's foot and we see appa's eyes again a close-up of it and they close and he crashes to the ground um and uh at this point we see cut back to ang and he lands in the desert calls out for appa again in frustration and pain, he yells out no and slams his staff into the ground, creating a huge sand mushroom cloud. So we saw this in the desert. We remember, mm-hmm. um, we remember seeing um, Sokka in his drug-addled state, like dancing to the great <laughs> mushroom. So, uh, so what I like about this is this gives us a sense of place, like where people are, because we cut from there um, to back to Opavision, and. Appa's a little sedated, but when we look through his eyes, we can see the mushroom cloud on the distant horizon. So we know that Aang is actually at this point really close, Mm -hmm. you know, and it makes you feel like, oh, Aang, if you had just kept flying and you were flying in the right direction, you you would have found him. I mean, he's this, he still is Appa in this big desert. Um, So, so that's like a a heartbreaking moment uh, and not the last one where they're going to be, where they're just going to be really close. Um, and uh, one of the merchants says, we've got to get rid of this one. He's too much trouble. Uh, and the other merchant says, we could sell him for parts. And then Opavision fades to black as the sheer shoe poison sets in. I marked this down as the darkest line in this episode. Maybe one of the darkest lines in this show. Yeah. Because, like, there's a lot of there's a lot of interesting darkness in, in Avatar. But, like, here we're taking a beloved character who is... Very benign, mm-hmm. very benevolent character in Appa. Um, and again, kids show he's the most like plush toy of any of the <laughs> things. And basically they're saying we could just butcher him. And I mean, that's what they yeah. mean by sell him for parts, right? right. Like, like butcher him and, you know, sell the fur, sell the fat, sell the, the meat, sell the whatever. I mean, like, mm-hmm. yikes. Yeah. It, it also makes makes me think of like the... Um, the slaughter of the American bison. I mean, he's, he's a bison, yep. right? Like, yeah. like the slaughter of the American bison and, and like, you know, using it for different parts here. Like, yep. like it, it, there are weird echoes there that are pretty scary. Yeah. I was going to note that too. Uh, and just like, he is the last of his kind. The bison were destroyed to, I mean, it's amazing that there are still some around mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, like uh, that an, a living being is mechanical, robotic, unfeeling we can take its parts and sell it right right in the same way yeah in the same way you would sell a car or a plane for parts right right and you see so many like this whole i mean we know that avatar is a story about marginalized folks too and like that type of objectification and um like seeing someone as a product like that's a part of colonialism in general Mm -hmm. and so like applying it to the animal animal world makes sense too i think yeah absolutely well and I, i do think it's interesting that 
the the times when you hear the phrase sell for parts, it is in usually in relationship to specifically a vehicle. Right. And Appa, if you want to look at Appa as a vehicle, like you could do that because he that's what he does. Mm-hmm. But that is that is definitely only talking about this little portion of him. Mm-hmm. So from here, we see Appa Vision start to fade back in, and clearly time has passed. Uh, and we hear a man's voice. Uh, before, but even before the, the darkness goes away, we hear a man's voice starting to say, Oh, I understand you've had a rather hard time lately. That's too bad. You know, so at first you're like, Oh, this maybe is like a, a good person who's <laughs> mm-hmm. going to help out because you don't know where he is or who this is. And he says, You probably felt you had no choice but to behave outrageously like a wild animal. But don't worry, you won't anymore because I'm going to break you. And we see that the man speaking is a circus animal tamer. And Appa is in a cage beside other animals also in cages. Mm-hmm. Um, so we, we, it's like it's like we out of the frying pan into the fire, right? Like Yeah. And you know, this, this is why. So I guess from here on, this is why it won that award to the Humane Society. Because it was specifically talking about circuses mm-hmm. and the entertainment industry. So let me ask you, uh, have you... Because you're... 15 years younger than me mm-hmm. um were circuses a thing in your childhood or were they, were they done by then so no but i when i was three my family and i went to russia and we went to a russian circus and i remember being like 12 and looking back and watching like our vhs of being there and there were like the bears dancing in the circus in like 1994 and there's a scene like mm-hmm. of that in a couple scenes here of platypus bears dancing and like um, the audience laughing and you just look and it's so unnatural mm. so i feel like i i don't think that i ever went to a circus beyond that did okay. you product of the 70s and 80s. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah i did yeah yeah but it's just like that does but i will say as as a parent like i would well not that they're even around really anymore but like that would be something or i would just be like nope no, yeah, that's just not going to happen. I mean, and like those things still exist in traveling uh, in like smaller traveling troops, mm-hmm. like at the um, Renaissance festivals right. or uh, like even theater productions will have animals come through. Right. But when I was a kid, that would be a big deal. Like the circus is coming to the, you know, the Roy Wilkins Auditorium or sure. whatever. And like it would be it would that would be like a that was a big deal. You'd see commercials for it on TV. Definitely went to that stuff as a kid. Um, but it also felt dark as a kid. Yeah. I wasn't even sure why, but it something didn't sit right. And uh, yeah, it's part of it is the clowns too. But the clowns, some like Dumbo. Did you watch yeah, Dumbo? Yep, yep. Yep. Hey, I maybe have written Dumbo in my notes. Nice. So yeah, we got some of this coming. Uh, so now we cut to the circus to a circus tent, and we see that the man is now pushing a wheelbarrow full of cabbages. I wonder who he bought the cabbages from, <laughs> and he's feeding the animals. Uh, so we see a platypus bear and some kind of lion vulture combo. I circled it because I was going to look it up and then I didn't. Okay. It's really big. Whatever it is, is is a fairly large creature. Yeah. It reminded me of like a phoenix or something. Yeah. But, but like lion but like a vulture. Like a, <laughs> yeah. if a phoenix was like the bird part of the phoenix was a vulture. Like a little less beautiful. Majestic or something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, and we see that uh, Appa's feet are shackled and chained. Uh, and the man walks right by Appa and he says, hungry? Don't worry. I'm going to feed you too, but not yet. And he holds a cabbage just out of Appa's reach. 
He says, first, I'm going to show you how to earn it. And he lets out the vulture lion who flies up into the air and he firebends a long fire whip. So this is the first indication that we've now moved from earthbenders to firebenders. Mm-hmm. Right? We, he is, Appa is now uh, uh, captured by not the fire nation like army, but he's captured by folks in the fire nation because this is definitely a. Uh, a fire nation person who is this this animal tamer so he's this long fire whip and he whips the vulture to tame and control it as he walks away appa uses his inhaling breath because again he's we've learned he is a bender of sorts to pull the cabbage cart within his reach and he starts to eat cabbage yeah he like vacuums them in one by one yeah yeah it's great and and i just love i love like Appa as subversive it's like yes. so so this is going to be used to to literally break him that's the word he uses and Appa's just like oh by the way I'm gonna eat anyhow. yeah so, I like, love it too I think it's really beautiful like I mean maybe I'm reading into it like probably most of this episode but it is subversive it's like little ways to have some freedoms mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and I, I like that yeah I mean it, this part really does feel like a like a prison movie where like the prisoners are like yeah we're still yes. gonna create life here to a certain degree yeah and aren't you just cheering him on you're like yeah, yeah you eat those <laughs> yes <laughs> yes and it's such a minor thing he's I mean he's this enormous thing eating this tiny little cabbage but you're like good yeah yeah um so we see the vulture line flying through the rings, uh, high up in the tent doing flips and tricks. And the man says, of course, when you perform, the hoops will be flaming. And if you're careful, you won't get burned. And at this, Appa belches, which is, which I know, like, you tend to not like the, like, seventh grade boy thing. But that <laughs> belch is more of, like, a an indicator of, like, I have been eating. Yes, <laughs> so yes. So it's, it's, it's pretty great. And so it betrays the fact that he's been eating. And, and the man says, you're about to be sorry. And again, this is dark. Yeah. Like that, this character is just very, because he's he's deeply menacing and threatening to a caged animal that he has yeah. power over. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Um, and he uses the fire whip to create flames around Appa's cage and like bring him right up to Appa's face and Appa freaks out. Yeah. It's like, it becomes like a wall of fire. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and Appa, or the, the man says, it's obvious that whoever was your previous owner he had no idea how to handle you properly. Okay, this line. So many things. First of all, the disconnect with the people who are abusing the animals and not even knowing what the animal is, right? Like mm-hmm. they only see it as a dollar sign mm-hmm. or as something to lord power over. They they call him later on a wind buffalo. Like they don't even know what he's called. Mm-hmm. They don't know who his owner is. So they don't care. They're not animal people. And then... uh the assumption that his owner is a male is very interesting. Hmm. I'll just leave that there. I also liked this line. Uh, I, I made a note of this because he says uh, he had no idea how to handle you properly. And the idea that while Appa is being handled in Bossing say, right, what does Toph say? You're being handled. Mm-hmm. So it's like, I thought that was really interesting, like that, that parallel of that idea of like, but Appa is being controlled by somebody, but so are our heroes in Bossing say that the the Dai Li is trying to handle and control them. Yeah, and in the same way, they're trying to subvert that. Yeah, and um, yes, uh, that's amazing. I never thought of that because it is both mirroring like two different types of captivity, freedom suppressed, like imprisonment, mm-hmm. and uh, and that's a really good point about growing empathy, right? Like we've we empathize with the dystopian nature of bossing say and now it's like this very real 
type of situation with a circus can also feel dystopian if you're on the inside. Like it can feel very conflict or constricting. Absolutely. Absolutely. So we cut now to the circus tent at night and we see a young fire nation boy who's kind of like outside of the tent, but, but looking in through like a crack in the tent at Appa Uh, and Appa's trying to now suck a whole bale of hay towards himself. (laughs) Uh, And the boy and Appa kind of lock eyes and share a moment and we see Appa, Appa lick the bars of his cage and the boy smiles at him. Uh, and then we see the boy's father come behind him and say, uh, I'm going to I'm going to get a bag of sizzle crisps. Stay here and stay away from that monster. Behave yourself or you'll regret it. OK, that guy sucks. Also, well, it's also <laughs> dark. Like this is like a really a bad dad. We're going to see a little bit more of him. He's a bad dad. And like that's clearly like, you know, that's scary. Like that's threatening abuse stuff yeah. which is scary and uh i also like that you wrote that the boy and oppa lock eyes because i think that's the only person this episode who's looked him in the eyes so far mm-hmm, mm-hmm. like everyone else again it's like he's a product yep. right or like a monster to be feared yep. and there's a couple people throughout this episode that like actually slow down and like look at him and it's really i think it's meaningful yep. and it's and it is the eyes i mean this is this is an episode about the eyes mm-hmm. uh so then the when the father leaves the boy runs into the tent and rolls the bale of hay right up to appa so we see appa lick the boy and then he devours the hay bale so again now he appa has this boy helping him to sort of subvert his captivity as well um so we see the boy run away as the animal tamer and the ringmaster come in and the tamer says he's uh, he's a difficult creature, stubborn and willful. I need more time with him. It's too risky right now. The ringmaster says, too risky? What are you talking about? This is a circus, home of fear and danger. I want the wind buffalo to perform tonight. And he walks away. And the tamer says, if you don't behave yourself, you'll regret it. And he puts fire right up into Appa's face. And we see the boy spies Appa from the outside and smiles at him. And Appa smiles back. And the boy runs away and says, see you later, buddy. Yeah. It is yeah. the most Aang thing that he could have said. Absolutely. Right. So I was thinking about the fire, the fire mm. in his face. And like, it made me think of other characters that have, um, I mean, so this is where I was thinking of Dumbo, right? These animals oh, sure. in captivity. Thinking of like, um, uh, a movie we did for video store, uh, a, few months ago the elephant man it made me think of that as like a human being who's not view is viewed as a monster and not a human being it's mm-hmm. a true story of uh joseph merrick right and and um you know how he's basically put in a a freak show you know and like people don't understand who he really is mm-hmm. you know um and it made me th- also think of frankenstein like depictions of frankenstein like where he's this like gentle intelligent creature but people view him as a monster and literally like the fire you know, is this thing that frightens him and then it turns him into a monster almost, right? Mm-hmm. Because of the reactions to it. So I thought about that. And then I also thought, have you ever seen this ringmaster before? Um, yes. You have. <laughs> Which episode? This is from uh, Return to Amashu. This is the same circus that Ty Lee was part of. Yeah. The ringmaster is the same. I went back and rewatched part of that episode this morning because <laughs> I wanted to know, like, I know enough about how this show works that it's like they're not just going to have 
another circus like right. they're gonna call back this other circus and it was because we knew that that circus had animals right because like one of the things that azula has him do is release all of the animals underneath Tyler. oh yeah and it's like yep because this is the same circus it's so interesting to think about how close all these characters could have been right mm-hmm. like i mean I guess Tylee's been out of the circus for a while, but not that long right. before this. But it is the like six degrees of separation thing where it's yeah. like this this world is is an interconnected web, uh, which we see we've already seen in the swamp and we're you know, like like this is a theme, right? That that this yeah, that all of these things are, are deeply interconnected. Mm-hmm. So now we're inside the circus tent and it's showtime. Uh, the we see performers spinning plates and doing a human pyramid. We see platypus bears dressed in clothes, balancing on balls. Um, we see the boy, the little boy. Now he's in the audience, sitting next to his father, and he tries to take a few sizzle crisps from <laughs> his father, but his dad just like physically pushes him away. Again, bad dad. Right. Yeah. Also interesting that like most of the animals at the zoo are apex or zoo circus are apex predators, right? Like the platypus bear. That thing is intense, right? Mm-hmm. And now you have it dancing on a ball. I don't know. Although, is is the platypus bear uh, uh, herbivore? Because we only see him eat oh. cabbages. So, can you be an apex predator if you're <laughs> of <an> cabbages? Herbivore? <laughs> <laughs> That's true. The cabbage salesman would probably think yes, he's that. A, he's a predator in that way. <laughs> Uh, but I'm not sure otherwise. <laughs> That's true. I suppose with the platypus bill, it would be pretty hard to attack. <laughs> embarrassing if you got eaten by a He's platypus. He's got those or... big claws, though. He could kill you, but could he eat you? <laughs> just kill you for fun. <laughs> well, that's just it. Yeah. I guess that would be predatory then, wouldn't it? Yeah. <laughs> they kill for sport. <laughs> but we just got dark here, Amy. <laughs> All right. We apologize to the yeah. ASPCA and, and everybody. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so... We love all animals. <laughs> Especially platypus bears. Um, so we see the ringmaster come out and he says, Ladies and gentlemen, now for something truly special. A noble beast so magnificent and rare, it hasn't been seen by human eyes in generations. I give you the wind buffalo. Just pulling things out of his boot at that point, right? Like, But that's true, right? Like these things, this is, what's crazy is he says all of this stuff. But it's like they don't understand what they have. Yeah. They have the only, we presume, remaining of this, like, mag- magical creature. Yeah. Right? And it's like, and they're they're using it at this, I was going to say low-rent circus. Maybe this is a high-end circus. I don't know. <laughs> but it's still like, this feels like you could do, even if you wanted to make money off this, it feels like you could do better than this. Yeah. It's real, like, seedy and... Yeah. Dang- yeah. Not yeah. right. Yeah. <laughs> so we see the curtain open to reveal Appa, and he's covered in costume and sort of painted on makeup. And the audience laughs, uh, and the boy just looks sad for Appa. How would you describe what Appa looks like? Like I was trying, I did some Google searches to try to like come up with a language to talk about. This. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> I feel like you see elephants dressed kind yeah, of like this, where they have like the draping cloth over their head and their back yeah. and it like is maroon like the color of the tents and then right. they also put makeup on him though that yeah. is very bright and yeah yeah i was hoping i could have another palanquin moment where i could just drop a word on you but like <laughs> i could not find like a good name for what the what that is yeah yeah and not to be like insensitive or anything i guess but it does it is very clown like in a way yeah like it's yeah. meant to be comical and that makes you think of dumbo as well too mm-hmm. right like, oh yeah true yeah. And like, yeah, and everybody, everybody laughs. Um, 
except for the boy. Um, so then the tamer gives commands to Appa, which he refuses to obey. <laughs> Again, <laughs> like I love Appa's subversion of this. Like he is just not going to play ball. It gives him so much attitude. Like they like he has a real character and personality that they develop so much in this episode. Well, and you know what it makes me think of, and this is actually this is the benefit from rewatching these old episodes is like, um, he's in this situation where he has these choices, right? He can obey, he can fight, but what does he choose to do? He chooses to initially to do nothing. Mm. Where have we heard that advice before? Oh, it's boomy, right? Yeah, yeah. This is that neutral gin we're getting here from. Uh? From, from the animal kingdom. Yeah, yeah. I could be overstating that, but that, but that is like that is. I, I, I just learned to love that moment of like. Well, actually, he doesn't do nothing because he because the 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 tamer wants him to like get up, and Appa just turns around. <laughs> it's like I'm gonna do not what you said, you know. Um, and it, and you know that it's not because he doesn't understand. Oh yeah, you know, cause right. We know Appa enough to know like he. It's not that he doesn't understand. It's oh just, yeah, because Momo Vision. all the words are warped and don't sound like he can make sense of it but appa he he hears and understands right right. uh so the tamer gives uh so so appa disobeys uh and the audience laughs and the tamer says up you insolent cow uh and he uses the fire whip on appa and we see the boy at this point call out to appa he says run away get away from him and we see the boy's father kind of push him down to silence him i hope that we see this boy again Mm. because like i want him to have i just want him to have a better life than he has yeah i kind of want a moment of him standing up to his dad yeah (laughs) don't you kind of want yeah 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 but i also like worry like well who's gonna protect him then i mean he's not that he's particularly protected here but like that's true you know like like i i i worry for him yeah 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 he needs appa to come in and be his millennium falcon that's right that's right um, so Appa starts to fly up and the crowd is amazed because I think they just didn't know that this thing could fly, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, they're, they, cause they go from laughter to like, just in awe and he flies through one of the flaming rings, but he burns himself a little bit. Uh, so he tail whips another ring, uh, putting out the fire and sending it down and it knocks down the tamer and the crowd laughs. Right. So Appa now has the crowd back on his side. <laughs> right. right? Uh, so here we see Appa Vision, and Appa is scanning the laughing crowd, and he looks at the boy laughing, and it reminds him of Aang laughing. So we actually see this, like, cut away to this memory of Aang laughing, laughing, and it looks just like the boy. Um, so Appa roars, and he shakes off part of his costume, and the boy encourages him, go, you can do it. And Appa starts to fly away, but the tamer shoots fire at him, and he says, get back here, you stupid beast. And he whips Appa. And Appa flies up and breaks out of the tent. And we see the boy smile up at him as he flies away into the night sky with his legs still shackled. I I also love that in his flying out, he hits the tamer and the tamer like goes flying out of the tent mm-hmm. to, I mean, we don't know what the state of the tamer is right. the end, but it kind of feels like justice was served. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A little bit. And it, it is interesting because you... you talked about like like you want appa to sort of take the boy away yeah um but what's an interesting thing in this episode is this is the first instance of appa needing to leave somebody who's caring for him Mm. it's gonna happen again 
in mm. this episode, you know, that Appa, Appa is conflicted even with that as well, right? Right. So, I mean, we don't see Appa being terribly conflicted about this little boy, but I want to believe that part of him is like, come with me. I know, <laughs> I know people we could be with. Yeah. You know? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So we see Appa now flying alone through the desert. Uh, there's a lot of shots in this. There's He's... a lot of things that scenes that start with Appa flying through the desert. Yeah. Appa fly- so Appa's flying through the desert and he gets to a to a spot with a big open circle of sand that breaks up the waves of the dunes. And we realized this is where the library had been. So he's like trying to get back to Aang, mm. um, even though Aang is trying to get to Appa in a very different place. So he lands, he tries to paw at the ground and kind of dig up the library, and he ends up just lying there for a while. This was one of the cry scenes for me. Because it's so, it is one of those sad things where it's like, you they're so close Mm -hmm. (laughs) and like if one thing had changed then maybe they could have reunited there you know Mm -hmm. you know what this scene reminded me of and this is another cry scene for you i think is like (laughs) it reminds me of in the last episode momo in appa's footprint yeah this is like appa in the footprint of where he last saw the gang yeah you know it's it it, it, i think it doubles with that scene pretty and like visually he finally like looks small Mm -hmm. in that Mm -hmm. it's so sad in the same way momo looks small in appa's footprint yeah Mm -hmm. so we see appa now flying through the desert again and he's clearly hungry he sees a huge egg in the sand uh lands on and tries to eat it but a lizard creature pops up from underneath and runs off with the egg um and he notices a cactus like the one that Sokka and Momo drank from uh, with a bunny bite. So, again, notice all the animals here, yeah. right? We, we have all the animals at the circus. We have the big beetle thing. We have this lizard. We have this bunny. Uh, and he lands and takes a big bite, but he screams out in pain from the spikes of the cactus on his tongue. I also wonder, is he slightly drugged at this point then, too? Because, although he's got a much bigger body, I was gonna so say, I'm sure he can absorb that a little bit Take better. a lot of cactus juice to get that guy high. That's right. Um, so then on the next scene, Appa flying through the desert, um, we see him sniffing for food and he approaches a big rock plateau in the middle of the desert, which we know is where the vulture wasp hive is. Yeah. So he smells this, right? Yeah. Didn't they call it like the center? It was the center of the desert, right? Mm -hmm. Or the draw of the Mm -hmm. desert. Yeah. It's whatever the, the, um, compasses pointed Mm -hmm. to, right? Um, so he flies into one of the holes in the hive and starts eating honey, question mark? Yeah. Oh, and this is the guy that can't go in caves, right? The cave of two lovers. Yep. He was scared the whole time. So he's got to be super hungry if he's flying into that, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and and I don't know what is the what is the nectar that they make, but well, yeah, I don't it know. It looks honey-like. It does, yes. Yeah. Even though I don't think wasps make honey. <laughs> oh. But I don't know what vulture wasps make. Maybe they do make honey or something like that yeah um so he's chased out by a big swarm of vulture wasps uh, and appa's chased for a while and then he tail whip air bends them and knocks them all out of the sky stunned and they fly off which is funny because this moment where like appa's running away in fear and then it's like he remembers <laughs> wait a minute i'm i'm appa i can i can do this and it's like one move and they're done yeah <laughs> so it's one of those where he just doesn't yeah. realize his own ability or The boy's there. still got some fight in him. That's right. Uh, so Appa is now covered in honey, and he lands on the sand and starts licking the honey off himself, which made me feel good that he got food, though. Yeah. You know? And he looks exhausted. He yeah. looks rough. Yeah. Um, so now we cut to a scene of Appa flying at night, 
and he looks more ragged at this point. Like, like I, I feel like like the honey and all the others. St- like now, he's he's really looking pretty worn, uh, and he appears to be moving out of the desert at this point. It's because we see like a tree and a hilltop with some buildings. So Appa flies inside one of the buildings. It's like a, it looks like a hut, but it's the size of like a barn. Yeah. It's, it's really big. And he goes inside there and he eats a huge pile of hay and he lies down to sleep. Um, so then we see his dream. So he dreams of being a baby bison back at the Southern Air Temple. And he's flying around with four other baby bison and they circle around their mother in the air. And then they fly down to the ground. And here we see young airbender monks, including Aang. Um, and each of them takes apples from a basket. And their teacher, who I was blown away to see, mm-hmm. is an airbender woman with ta- with like the arrow tattoos. We've not seen an airbender woman. Yeah, we've this been point. asking ourselves about it the whole yeah, time. Yeah, so I was just like, okay, I just <laughs> give me the whole documentary on the airbenders right. now. Like, I need to know more. Um and she says, choose well, a sky bison is a companion for life. So we see Aang approach baby Appa and give him an apple. Now, what's interesting is Aang is, I mean, he's smaller than Aang is now, but like Aang's pretty little anyhow. Yeah. Right? Even full, full grown 12 year old Aang's pretty small. And Appa is bigger than Aang, but not a lot. He's not a lot taller than Aang. So mm-hmm. like, it's like he's got a long ways to grow from here. So it's, it's, it's actually very adorable to see them at relatively uh, the same height at this point. Yes. The little babies. Oh my gosh. He's baby bisons, Sam. Yeah. They might be the, one of the cutest creatures. Yes. Uh, uh, I was also thinking though, if this is a woman, okay. So it's a woman airbender and she clearly is like the one in charge of mm-hmm. these m- magical creatures. Mm-hmm. Is this the Southern Air Temple? Is there indicators oh, it of it not being? Be. It may not be. Okay. It may not be. I was thinking maybe um, a little bit later they talk about a different temple. Right. Because presumably we've seen the South. We've yep. seen the North. Presumably there's an East and West. Right. Um, and we don't, I mean, the people watching this have, or listening to this have seen the episode. They're at the Eastern Air Temple at the end. So right. it may be that that's what he's imagining. Because he has some flashbacks there. So I'm wondering if like Aang, because Aang's traveled the world when he Absolutely. was a monk. So. Absolutely. Very well could have gone to an Eastern Air Temple, maybe, and maybe an all-woman. Maybe like a convent. Yeah. You know, um, kind Which of thing. Which would be sweet, and I want to know more. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. No, you're absolutely right. And, and it may be that they take the boys there to get their bison. Maybe that's like where the bison roam. Yeah. I don't know. It's like the Diagon Alley, and you can go get your little your owl. Your owl. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> so, so cute. <laughs> um, so Appa eats the apple and goes up and, uh, and, uh, and goes up and hugs his head. Uh, and Appa starts to lick him, uh, and Aang says, I guess this means we'll always be together. Uh, and then we see current day Aang camping with the Aang gang in his sleeping bag, and he's having the same dream. Uh, in his sleep, he whispers, uh, he whispers always, you know, echoing the always from the dream, and rolls over smiling. And this fades into Appa, also asleep, also dreaming the same dream. So, I mean... There is this connection between them, right? Yeah. Like I, I, I believe they really are dreaming. Their dreams are intertwined. Oh yeah. You know, at this point, it's like a spiritual nature of connection, mm-hmm. don't you think? Absolutely. Uh, and we see Appa then awaken to a man screaming, and we see Appa vision again of the man with a pitchfork right in Appa's face, and he says it's some kind of monster. And Appa gets up and roars, and then the man's wife comes in holding a torch to light her way. Appa sees the fire and is triggered 
from his trauma with fire in the past and starts to rear up and roar. And the farmer and his wife rush out of the barn and Appa flies up through the roof and flies away. So it's one of these moments where like these people actually are not necessarily negative towards, but like, but their reaction triggers Appa. And I mean, and, and, and his, I mean, yes, he says, oh, it's a monster, but like imagine going into your barn and you realize the barn is filled with a creature. And he's looking rough again, like matted fur. And it's dark. Yes. And so like, like I kind of give that guy a little bit of a pass, like, yeah. Like, everybody just freaks out at this yeah. point. Yeah. I mean, know? similar similar language, though, as before about the monster and, like, um, uh, like you call something a monster and then it might act like one. Mm-hmm. Like, you will look for signs of it acting like one. And I and I do think it's important that we that this does show us, like, that the, the effects of this trauma. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know that Appa had that reaction to fire in the past. Maybe he has. Oh, I don't remember. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. When I toured, like, the cat, the wildcat sanctuary mm-hmm. they would talk about all of these behavioral changes that these animals had these lions tigers whatever and it and they can like trace it back to the trauma right mm-hmm. and um or like uh even at this cat sanctuary i went to um they were talking about like a, a cat that will like swim in a tub because it didn't have water when it was in a hoarding situation so like all of these traumas last so long and i think we think of animals as mechanic or robotic Mm -hmm. or like a blank slate or something you know what i mean like like nothing has been written on or impacted them in the past right right yeah yeah um but clearly this is this this is now something for appa so it'll be interesting to watch this going forward yeah you know um so we see Appa now flying, looking increasingly ragged, dirty, worn out, still shackled, flying across the night sky. We see him fly over a lake, and we see a big boat on the lake. And it's one of the ferries to Ba Sing Se. So we know he's got to be really close to mm-hmm. Ba Sing Se at this point. On the ferry, we see Iroh, who's startled to see Appa flying across the sky. And his reaction wakes Zuko. And Zuko says, Uncle, what are you looking at? Is there something out there? And Iroh says, it's nothing. Go back to sleep. And we just see Iroh looking amazed. So what I love is this allows us to place this in time. Mm-hmm. It also means we are seeing these stories crisscross and intersect. And it means that when Iroh and Zuko are on the boat, do you know where Aang and everybody is? Um, Are they? Where are they at They're this on point? the Serpent's Pass. Oh, yeah. Appa basically flies right over them. Oh. Or we're so near them. Right, because his the dream that they shared, Aang was sleeping up on the rocks yep. on the way. Yep. Oh, that's really heart-wrenching. Yeah, so like they're so close. They're ships passing in the night. And I, lo- I like that Iroh saw it and he kept it secret. I think mm-hmm. that makes so much sense for Iroh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, th- yeah. It, but that is heartbreaking to just think like they're so close to, you know. And, mm-hmm. and we're going to see the links that... that um, that Appa goes in this episode. I mean, he, his travels have just begun. Mm-hmm. Um, so we see Appa flying at night over like kind of wooded hills and he's just exhausted. Was there, sorry, was there a part of you that was like, he did that so quick and it's a shame that the Engang wasn't on his back getting to Bossing Say? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> like, think of, think of like all. like a day. <laughs> I felt my own trauma of like all the stuff they had to go through and it's like, oh man, just think if it wasn't for those sandbenders. Yeah. Like they would have just flown to Bossing Say. Right? <laughs> yeah. So sad. Uh, but that's not how stories work. Right, I suppose. I suppose. So we see Appa flying at night over wooded hills and he now he just looks exhausted. He finally lands and kind of crashes down 
on a hilltop by a cave. And he's entirely worn out. And he starts to eat some grass, but he hears kind of a squealing sound in the distance. And now we don't know where he is at this point, because now he's like past Ba Sing Se. Yeah. Right? Um, uh, so out of this cave, which as we look at it more closely, actually has like brick walls. So it's maybe some sort of man-made tunnel. Mm-hmm. Um, and we see a giant like boar creature charging at Appa. So it makes me wonder. So now I feel like we're at, we're past places we've seen. So now I want, our job is to pay attention to these places and see if they come back. Yeah. Do we see this tunnel later on? Is this going to be a mean, like, is this a place? Do we meet the boar again? Yeah. Uh, I learned it's a boar cupine. Yes, it is. Because it has quills. Yeah. Yes. I almost wrote that. I almost wrote, like, it's clearly a boar por- porcupine. Cause, cause, yeah. Yeah. Um, so we see the boar creature charge at Appa, the porcupine, <laughs> and it rams Appa, and they both tumble down a steep hill. Now, this boar is smaller than Appa, but is powerful in terms of being able to knock Appa over. Mm-hmm. Um, so when they reach the bottom of the hill, Appa appears to be pierced by a number of quills from the porcupine. Uh, and Appa and the boar confront each other. They roar, squeal at each other as they kind of circle one another. Um, the boar, even though he's less than half of Appa's size, charges him again and knocks Appa back into a large tree, which the force of which causes the tree to fall down. Like, and it's, it's a huge, huge tree. At this point, Appa picks up the tree trunk with his mouth and like swings it at the boar, like a baseball bat. Like it's a huge tree. Um, and he sort of knocks the boar, uh, knocks the boar away. So the boar charges at Appa again. And this time, this is such a funny thing that happens. Appa rears up on his hind legs and uses his other four legs to just grab the boar. <laughs> like, it's like a wrestling move. He just, like, grabs it with his four <laughs> arms, spins around, and throws him a long way off in the distance. And we see kind of a wide shot with a dust trail rising from the forest that shows just how far Appa's thrown the boar. And then finally the boar runs off at this point. Mm-hmm. So now we have Appa, even more ragged loaded with quills and he's trying to pull the quills out of his body and he roars out in pain as he pulls the first one so he flies back up to the shelter of the cave tunnel thing and sleeps and we see night turn into day and then day into night and then it rains and we all the while we see appa sleeping in the tunnel now it's interesting because you said he doesn't like to go underground so he's barely in the tunnel he's like just inside yeah so he's not going to go deep into this even though that boar was running from somewhere deep in that hill right and he yeah all of it's for survival for appa right right so now we cut to daytime and we see the hands of somebody collecting berries from the forest and we pull out to realize that it's the warriors of Kiyoshi in the forest collecting berries. Your favorites. It is absolutely my favorite. <laughs> when I saw Suki in the previously on, I almost wish I didn't because like, I just would have been so thrilled to be like, <laughs> yes, all right. Um, but it makes me wonder, what are they doing there? Have they quit their job as like security guards mm. at the port authority or wherever? Like, I hope so. Because I feel like that's just not a good use of uh, of who they are. <laughs> yeah. And it makes me wonder, like, what is their plan now? Yeah. What are they collecting berries for? Are they headed somewhere? Do they just live in the forest now? Yeah. Where are they relative to Bossing Say That was my big question. Are we going to... Are, is the rest of the gang going to show up at this point and find them again? Maybe they're using the tunnel? The boar tunnel? I, yeah. I really wonder. Hmm. Um. So anyhow, one of the warriors finds a clump of Appa's fur 
in the bushes, right, from this fight. And she says, it must have been some fight. And Suki looks at the fur and realizes it's Appa's. So she follows the path of broken trees and shedded fur up to the cave where Appa's sleeping. She sees Appa in the cave looking in really rough shape. And Appa kind of backs away from her in fear. She sees the shackles on him. She sees the quills. And to comfort him, she lays out some fruit and berries for him. She says, it's going to be okay, Appa. I have to leave, but I'm going to be back soon with help. Yeah. And this, again, is like more eye contact, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, soothing voice, comforting, meeting on someone's level, understanding trauma, where it's like all of the characters that are willing to do that for Appa are characters that are marginalized or traumatized themselves. Mm -hmm. Like Mm -hmm. the little boy whose dad is a jerk. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like... uh, a woman who has to prove herself as a warrior. Like, it's super right. interesting the people they chose. Right. And what the, the scene I love is the next scene because as Suki leaves Appa, she goes to the other warriors and it's like she gives a little lecture on like, here's this is what we're about to do is really important. Mm-hmm. Here's what you need to do. Here's how to do it. It's, you know, it's like we have to be really careful about this. I mean, she's so, so she, she says, you know, no sudden movements. He's been lost for a while. And he looks like he's hurt. He's shy around people and scared. Stay low and stay quiet. Another warrior says, I can't believe you found the Avatar's bison. Didn't you just see the Avatar a few days ago? Tsuki says, yes, he can't be too far from here. It's our responsibility to get Appa back to him safely. Then she says, this could be our most important mission yet. Which is both maybe true when you think about like the existential threat to the world and who and who Aang is mm-hmm. but it also made me sad it's like these guys are underutilized <laughs> like these women are underutilized like this is their most important mission is to care for this this sky bison like these are these amazing warriors and there's a 100 year war going on yeah and it's like I don't mean to say it's not important what they're doing, but it's like, shouldn't they be doing all kinds of other things too? Right, right. Like, you know, it it, it breaks my heart because I feel like maybe this war wouldn't go on so long if people just recognized the possibilities instead of being in sort of a rigid way of thinking. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. It also makes me sad because, yeah, uh, he... Man, just like the only Suki is a, a beautiful and amazing person in this episode. I love her dearly. The fact that she says he's scared, she says he's hurt, she sees like she sees pain in him, like basically anthropomorphizes but just actually empathizes with mm-hmm. someone. She's the best, right? I yeah. think it is the most important mission. <laughs> it it is, but but it's like but the fact that Yeah, they there yeah. are so many things they could be helping with. Yeah. Right? I mean, what I'm upset about is that they that they were security guards. Yeah, that's that. They, now you could argue they're security guards helping refugees, and but it's like I feel like there were also security guards there to keep like the random order of bossing say, and it's just yeah. like oh, come on, like uh, I just I want better for them too. Yeah, and, I, and and this leads me to this. It it makes me feel good that I think better for them is coming. Yeah. Um, so, so she says this could be the most important for um, our most important mission yet, to which my <laughs> daughter would say the power of yet. It's like <laughs> for now, but there's going to be even more important things to come. I pray yeah. for them. Yeah. Uh, they deserve, they deserve the best. Uh, so Appa starts to growl when he sees them and Suki has everyone back away. She's like, okay, you know, like we 
again, we have to approach this with caution. She says, Appa, it's me, Suki. I'm a friend. I want to help you. You're hurt. We can help you feel better. We can help you find Aang. At this, Appa starts to look, kind of light up a bit. Because, you know, somebody's talking specifically about Aang. I mean, mm. like, like he if he doesn't recognize her, he, like, recognizes that. That she knows about Aang. Um, and Suki reaches out and touches Appa's nose. Uh, and, and Appa lies down for her. Um, and you know, you it's clear that, that he's going to let her help now. Right. Mm-hmm. And there's, this show has something about like people putting their hand on the, like, like, uh, Aang does it to the Hey Bai. And, um, oh, yeah. uh, the, um, Roku's dragon does it to Aang, like puts that little tentacle yeah. on his forehead. There's something about like touching the head. Yeah. It's like this, this is this like moment of connection kind of thing. Yeah. It's sacred. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so from here we jump to, we jump forward a little bit and we see that the Kyoshi warriors have removed the shackles and the quills and Appa looks cleaned up and healthy again. I mean, it actually seemed like they did a pretty great job. I don't know how they managed to like, <laughs> yes. in, even if they took a couple hours, it's like, he looks great. Oh yeah. Uh, we were joking before about how it's like a Sarah McLaughlin commercial of like, <laughs> right. animals that are caged and sad. And now he looks like Appa again. Yeah. And he's trusting again, mm-hmm, which mm-hmm. is another, I wrote sad faces, like cry faces in my notes because yeah. it's so sweet. Yeah. So Appa gives Su- Suki a big lick at this point. Uh, but Appa hears something. And we, see, and we see a flash of lightning knock down a huge tree behind him. And a flash of lightning coming from horizontally can only mean one <laughs> thing or one person, right? So we see Azula and the Mean Girls ride up on their lizard mounts. Um, and Azula is holding a piece of Appa's fur. And she says, my, you're easy to find. It's really astounding my brother hasn't captured you yet. And Appa growls and the warriors prepare for a fight. Uh, they do this thing where they spin their fans into, like, shields. It's yeah. So, it's so cool. It's so cool. And Azula says, who are you, the Avatar's fangirls? At this point, Ty Lee waits, like, two beats and says, <laughs> oh, I get it. Good one, Azula. I know you don't love Ty Lee, but that was pretty funny. <laughs> that yeah, was that, pretty funny. <laughs> yeah, and you know what? I was about at the same point with her. It took me a second, too. <laughs> um. Uh, and Suki says, if you're looking for the Avatar, you're out of luck. And May says, uh, I know this was a waste of time. And Azula says, no Avatar, huh? Well, that's okay. Any friend of the Avatar is an enemy of mine. Uh, so Azula fires lightning at Appa, but the warriors, like, they, like, come together to create this, like, bigger shield to protect him. We see May throw darts to pin one of the warriors to a tree. She says, you're so colorful, it's making me nauseous. Ty Lee paralyzes another warrior and says, you're not prettier than we are? I wrote vomit. That was my note. I can't. Dialogue like this makes me not stand. I just can't stand Ty Lee. Yeah. But it's all right. She's got some good lines, too. Just some of the one-liners are real rough. Yep. Yep. And she is a bad guy. So it's like, yeah, Yeah. you know. I cannot like her. Yeah. Uh, So Suki continues to defend Appa from Azula's fire. Um, a downed tree ignites and Appa starts to react in terror. And Azula says, afraid of fire, I see. That's good. You should be. Um, and this sort of reminded me of the, uh, the Wicked Witch of the West to the Scarecrow 
you know, like oh. she's always threatening the scarecrow with fire because the scarecrow is afraid of fire because he's made of yeah. hay and straw, right? So Azula has some like Wicked Witch of the West vibes here. <laughs> you know. I wrote Colonizer. Well, there's that too. Tell me more. <laughs> she, uh, man, I just, the whole, uh, man, power and intimidation and uh, relishing it, like, she is joyful in seeing mm-hmm. other people quake in fear at her. She's sadistic. Yeah. yeah, yeah she's yeah. terrifying. Yeah. And like, yeah. Obviously benefits from the patriarchal structure of her society. Mm-hmm. That's all mm-hmm. I'm saying. Uh, so at this point, we see Suki tell Appa to fly away. Uh, and uh, while she charges at Azula with her sword. So Azula and Suki fight as Appa flies away. But you can tell that he senses she's in trouble, so he flies back to her. And now we see Suki wave fire into his face to get him to leave. So she's actually using the thing that he's afraid. Like, this is pretty heartbreaking, because Appa's like, I don't want to leave you. You're the only person who's, like, actually cared for me. Mm-hmm. And she's like, you know, get away, go. Yeah, I mean, it's it's yeah, it's, it's pretty rough. It's real sad. Um. So, so Appa flies away at this point. Um, she says, get out of here. You have to find Aang. We'll be okay. So Appa flies away and Azula strikes back at Suki. Uh, and she says, don't you know that fans only make flames stronger? And they continue to fight until the action is paused in like this cool comic book freeze frame. So it's just one of those things where like, yeah, we're just not going to show you the rest of this fight. I know. Yeah. Ugh. Which as somebody who hates writing notes on fights was like, good. Cause like, I just, <laughs> I don't really want to get into like the, cause there was actually some pretty cool stuff I jumped over. Cause like, eh, you know, they, yeah. yeah, I want to, I want to know how it resolves though. I don't, I wouldn't be surprised if we don't see that. Yeah. If, like maybe we hear about it later yeah, or not yeah. even at all. I think the, I think the important thing we saw is that Suki is not immediately blown away by Azula. Azula is super powerful, but Suki just holds her own. Yeah. I don't know that she can beat Azula, but I don't know that Azula can beat her. Yeah. And like, that's what we kind of saw what we needed to see there. Yep. That's you know? true. Yeah. Um, so now we move to something that this show doesn't do much, which is a montage. <laughs> right. So we see a montage of Appa flying. Uh, he's He flies through the woods. He's flying above a canyon river through a night rainstorm. We see him fly over a couple of water tribe boats at sea. And the water tribe man looks up in disbelief. Now, I don't know. It's not Bato. Is that Katara and Sokka's dad? Um, <laughs> do you want to know? Well, if it's yes, you can say yes. Yes. <laughs> I mean, because we've seen him. We saw, I mean, I know he's alive. Yeah. Bato told us that. Um, we saw him once in Bato of the Water Tribe, but it's like, you know, when he's first going off mm-hmm. the war. So I assumed, because like either 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 it was going to be Bato or it was going to be somebody else that was significant. So I'm like, it's got to be their dad. Yeah. yeah. His name's Hakoda. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was pretty cool. Because what I love about this scene is it also shows the links that Appa will go to find Aang. Yeah. That he is literally... I mean, he was so close to him, and at this point, he's literally traversing the world, yeah, right, to try to to try to find him. So this whole montage is 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 really it, cool. Yeah, it reminds me of him during the chase too. Like this guy's probably real tired. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, so we see Appa then fly into the mountains to what looks like an abandoned air temple, uh, and he walks through the temple, and as he does so, he flashes back to playing with his siblings there a century ago. 
He remembers them all chewing on a metal railing, and he finds himself now chewing on the railing again. This is another part I cry at. Why is that? Because you know that all those, all the brothers and sisters oh, are gone. Sure, He's sure, the sure. last one. Like, it's a sad, beautiful memory. But, uh, and then he, like, his only comfort right now is trying to trigger back those memories by, like, chewing on the, yeah. the little toy. Oh, it's so sad. It made me think of when he was chewing on his cage in the, um, mm. in the, the circus and now he's chewing on this railing. And it does sort of make you think of, like, like, um, Especially little, it's like little kids sucking their thumb. It's like you're doing this thing because you're trying to find this comfort in it from this, yeah. this you know, this deep past. Mm-hmm. Um, so he keeps walking around and he, and as he, he's walking through the temple, he finds an old man who's alive in the temple. <laughs> uh, and he, you can see Appa light up with excitement. This is like good, good acting by Appa too. It's like, it's like you, you, like his emotions are very clear, mm-hmm. even though he doesn't have a lot of parts to him that can show emotion. Like he's got a big furry face, which is kind of, <laughs> you know, it's, it's not necessarily the most expressive face, but they do a great job of making him expressive. Mm-hmm. Um, and he basically like tackles the old man and starts licking him. And he says, hello, I am Guru, uh, Patik. Uh, Appa looks confused and jumps back away from him. I think he thought it was going to be like an air nomad or yeah. an air monk or something. And he says, I know I'm not the person you expected. And I didn't expect to be licked by a giant tongue just now. The world is full of surprises. We see Appa give off a low growl and the man lies back down at like nothing happened. Um, which this just made me wonder, like, who is this guy? Like, I love him so much, Sam. Yeah. yeah. I'm all about this guy. I want him to be like a part of their gang. And I will say, you know, I said that, you know, Appa's Lost Days, I saw this title. I know that there's an episode towards the end of the season called The Guru. So it's like, I I know we're coming back here (laughs) or we're coming back to him at least. Like that's, you know, it's one of those things like Bossing Say was just sitting out there like, we're going to get there at some point. It's like, we're going to get to this guy at some point some more. So he's lying there and we see like... Again, the passage of time so the sun rises and some time passes. And we see uh, Patik look up and see Appa is still there. So he shuts his eye again. Uh, then more time passes and Patik kind of spies at Appa and he's still there. So then day passes into night. And finally we see Appa roll over and sleep. It's like he's waiting for Appa to go to sleep. Yes. And Appa's just like watching guard on this guy. I love this so much because it seems really extreme, right? You're like, okay, this is a guru. This guy is like kind of eccentric, like, of course. But it's not, he is not doing more than what's already been done to Appa mm-hmm. for the sake of people. Like this man is literally just laying down and letting Appa feel comfortable and mm-hmm. fall asleep. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I don't know. It just, it looked to me like mutual respect yeah yeah and literally lowering himself below mm-hmm. appa like getting to the dirt yeah um yeah i don't know yeah, i really yeah, loved it yeah yeah and and so so appa falls asleep and patik jumps up at this point and starts inspecting uh, the sleeping appa and he says oh dear you've been through so much recently hurt and betrayed so twisted up inside and he kind of runs his fingers across or i presume appa's heart is and he says you're still full of love but fear has moved in where trust should be. I've been expecting you and the young avatar for quite a long time. I had a vision many years ago, which makes me wonder, like, how long... When he says many years ago, does he mean, like, 50 years ago? Yeah. Because, like, 
How old yeah. is he? Yeah, he's old. Yeah, because he could be boomy aged. Like, yeah. yeah, you know, we're, 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 this world is open to that. So, so yeah. yeah, so so who knows? Uh, he said, I had a vision many years ago of helping him. That's why I came to the Eastern Air Temple. And we see Appa rock in his sleep. And he says, oh, your emotions are so turbulent, like swirling storm clouds. And he put his puts his hand on Appa's head. So we see this again, right? The hand on the head. And it's like he kind of says this prayer for him. He says, let the clouds in your mind be gentle, peaceful ones. Mm. Uh, and from there, we cut to Appa waking up in the morning. And now he's alone from where he was sleeping. But we see that Patik has left him some melons to eat. So like when he stands up, there's like right by his head, there's there are melons for him. Uh, and we see Appa walk through the temple grounds and he finds Patik uh, sitting kind of lotus smile with a style with all these small animals surrounding him. So even more animals, right? Yes. Um, and he says, someone looks very well rested, judging by your bed head. And like the side <laughs> of Appa's hair is like sticking up. So he shakes his head to like. <laughs> so funny. <laughs> yeah, it's it's very, it's very funny. So then we get tonight and we see Appa walking up behind a meditating Patik. Uh and he lies down behind him. And Patik stretches his arm out to Appa and says, I've prepared a message for Aang. May I attach it to your horn? I'm going to let you talk right there because he asked a question. He didn't just do it. I loved it. Consent. Consent, I, Sam. I even picked up on that. Right? <laughs> it's like, because like no one's ever asked Appa a question. Right. I don't know that Aang even asks Appa questions like that. Yeah. He probably does. But it was just like, it was such a moment of like, he didn't say, I'm going to do this. He he was like, because obviously he needs to get this message to Aang, but he asks, may I attach it to yeah, your horn? Yeah, like his body is his own and I will ask if I do something to it. Yeah. Oh, beautiful. I love him so much. I love the, I, Kate, you know that I have a crush on Boomy. I don't know. I yeah. think I think the guru's up there. <laughs> uh, so Appa growls uh, in agreement that he says, yes, it's okay. So then he attaches and he says, you and the Avatar's energies are mixed. You have an unbreakable bond. By reading your energy, I can sense where Aang is. And Appa gives him like a full body look at this point. He says, funny what invisible strings connect us all. And he puts his hand on Appa's forehead. And we start to see a path of light stretching from the temple outward, presumably to where Aang is, right? Mm -hmm. And this made me think of the like the swamp with like the tree internet of how everything's connected. Yeah. And this episode's about how all of these things are connected and yeah. now we're seeing another representation of how deeply ang and Appa are connected i think it's the the mission statement mm -hmm, yeah mm -hmm. and he says uh, i'll see you again great beast now what's interesting is like appa's been called a lot of things monster right and beast could sound like um negative but it but when he says i'll see you again great beast it's like honorific oh yeah yeah like magnificence. Yes. Mm -hmm. that That's the word that Iroh would use as magnificent. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we cut to Appa now flying over Ba Sing Se at night. Clearly the guru has shown him that Aang is in Ba Sing Se. Mm -hmm. And we see on the rooftops two members of the Daili are keeping watch on him. And they see him. Uh, and we see Appa searches the city at night for Aang. Uh, we see a bit more Appa vision. We see various animals all seeing Appa. So we see the the pygmy pumas up on the rooftops, and they see Appa. Uh huh. Um, now this is in in, in the, this is before because we'll see this is before the tales of Bossing Say happen. So we're seeing these pygmy pumas 
this is connecting back to why they know where Appa's footprint yeah. is, right? Because they're like, yeah, we've seen, we know who this is. We've seen Appa. Yeah. It, yeah. It reminds me, of, I don't know if the butterfly effect is the right thing, right? But like all these little things that can connect to one another. Mm-hmm. Uh, man, even, yeah. And so like, it's fun that all of these stories are connected, even, even with the pygmy pumas, even with Momo mm-hmm. and like fate will like fate is fate and it's fated to happen right <laughs> right right no absolutely absolutely um so we see appa land in like a kind of s- s- town square sort of area with like a stone street uh and then we see the bison whistle and we see that ang is sleeping in his bed with the bison whistle right next to him but at this point we see someone else blowing another seemingly silent whistle and we see Appa respond to the sound, and he follows the sound. And out of the shadow walks Long Fang, the mm-hmm. head of the Dai Li. And he earthbends Appa under the street. And all that remains is a giant Appa footprint in the earth where the stone street was broken. And this is the same footprint that is the closing shot of Tales of Bossing Say. So here's where we get that kind of intersect moment in that way. Mm-hmm. And that's the end of the episode. Such a good episode. Yeah, I I think there's there's things I love about Tales of Bossing Say. I think this is a stronger episode than mm. Tales of Bossing Say. I mean, again, we have two sort of formalist storytelling experiments. And actually, like like you said, I what I love about this one is this did what Tales of Bossing Say doesn't, which is this there's so much stuff in the background or mm-hmm. or in or like that you if you, you could easily just not pay attention to and instead it's it's connecting all of these stories. It makes you want to go back and watch the last four episodes again and think about where Appa is. And like, I mean, this is the kind of thing that I'm sure there's people online who have charted out. Like, here's where these stories keep crossing, you know? That's super interesting. I bet there are. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure there are. I'm sure (laughs) there are. So as you think about this episode, we've talked a lot about it. Um, Other themes, observations you have, takeaways you have from this episode? Man, yeah, I feel like I've talked a lot about it, Sam, but um I I think what this series does and we've talked with people in interviews too about how they when they watched it when they're older, you start seeing anti-capitalist, anti-imperialist, anti you know, like anti-patriarchy themes and it mm-hmm. seemed like this fits in so perfectly and it kind of intersects all of those to be like um like invisible strings connecting us all is is empathy yes, in yes. general right like and that empathy is something that's like slow and deliberate and practiced like the guru laying on his back and looking up every couple hours or days whoever knows However how long, long it, was, it needs to be yeah. or um suki slowly coming up leaving food coming back later like um inviting others in to do the same it's just i don't know it's i think it's I think it's really beautiful. Yeah. And what I love about it is, I mean, we talked about how this is, this is praised in terms of its sort of lessons for kids about animal ethics, but it's beyond that too, because it's also just about how we treat each other. Yeah. Like it doesn't need to be, this isn't just about how we treat animals. It's about how we treat anyone. Absolutely. You know? And I think that's, I think that's really, really powerful. Yeah. Like it's just another part of looking even at like human rights. Right. And Mm -hmm. um, yeah, there's, uh, spe- because this is a kid's book, 
or a kid's show. <laughs> um, there's this children's book illustrator that I really like. Her name is Addie Rivera Sonda. And she um, uh, is an author or an illustrator of books um, that showcase women of color. Mm-hmm. But she's also branched into animal rights, too. And she has this quote that I really like. I think it came from her, but she made it into art. And it says, uh, revolution needs the patient work of practicing solidarity healing, care, love, imagination, and learning outside the hegemonic system. And I feel like that is so much of this series, Sam. The pract- like slow, deliberate practice. It is outside of the power structures because literally every protagonist we have is living outside of power. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, and like trying to recapture power for people. And here's what I love about this episode as well, to pivot a little bit, is like it's all of those things. It's this formal experiment but it also pushes the story forward. Yeah. Like it's not, it's, they didn't take a break to be like, we're going to do this other thing. Like, cause I have a bunch of things in my notes here where it's like, oh, these are story points too. You yeah. Know, um, kind of, kind of pushing forward. I'm curious where I haven't looked at, at things about like, uh, I've looked at worst episode things. I haven't looked at like best episode lists. Is this mm. ever up there? Uh, that I don't know. Yeah, I haven't I haven't noticed it. Because I could see it not being there because it lacks I mean Sokka's not in it at all. It lacks it, Aang is barely in it, Katara's not right. in it. Right. Zuko Top has is one barely line. In it. Yeah. Yep. You know, Iroh is barely in it. There's there's all this so like I could see it not yep. making it, but like I really do think this is a pretty special episode. Yeah, and I think yeah. I think also though Appa's so beloved that I feel like it it worked so well anyway without all those folks. Like I think Oh it, yeah, I don't want them in there. But I, but like what I'm saying is like I just I don't know if if the way lists like that get made if sure. like, it doesn't feel like enough of a Yeah. You know, I could see I that. I mean it it is interesting cuz like it's like we we had Zuko alone and it's like now we get Appa alone <laughs> and like they're both pretty good episodes. Right? We keep saying we need more of like a character alone. Yeah. Oh, give me Toph alone, give me Iroh alone. Oh, Toph would be great. Yeah, yeah. Um okay, <laughs> uh, uh, so here's here's my storyline thing. Okay, okay. Um we get to see really what the Daily is capable of. Oh, yeah. I mean like we kind of knew from from um City of Walls and Secrets that, like, do they have Appa? And it's like, oh, in fact, they do. Yeah. They, like, it's not that they know where he is. Like, where is, what is under the ground? Where is he? Does Appa like being under the ground? No, he does not. Right. Like, I, that was, we keep talking about sort of dark moments. Like, that's a pretty dark, that's a very dark moment, especially when you attach it to um, City of Walls and Secrets. And I just thought, too, okay, wait, so when they took Jet, where did they take him? Because that looked underground, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, although, I'm trying to think, when he goes into that room, it's hard to tell. It's dark. Yeah, it's hard to so tell because it's not. at night. Yeah. But yeah, there's definitely this, like, underbelly that is very literal. But, but, do, you, <laughs> but do you know what what exists underground? What? Tunnels. Uh, oh! So I'm wondering, like, huh. is, 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 are they going to find tunnels out of Ba Sing Se? I don't know. Oh, interesting. Yeah. I don't know. Like, I'm, I'm, open, I'm open to that. Uh, other things, uh, the uh, Petit storyline points us out of Ba Sing Se into the world beyond. Because that's actually one of the things I wondered about is like, they're, they've made it to Ba Sing Se. It's like, now are we kind of stuck here? Like, mm. like where do they go? What do they do? And it's like, oh, now there is this thing which is propelling them out of Ba Sing Se. Because Ba Sing Se feels like a dead end, to be honest. Right. Um, 
but it also feels like there's work to do there. So I don't, I just don't know where this is. And this is a compliment. I don't know where the story's <laughs> going because I feel like they need to leave. They need to find this guy, but then there probably is work to do in Bossing Say. Because yeah. if you could harness Bossing Say, that seems important. And we know, or like, mm, yeah, the war is happening. It seems like attack is imminent. Mm-hmm. So, but once that, you know, once that resolves or once that's done or whatever happens, yeah, where do they go? Right. <laughs> what happens right. then? Right. Uh, we also, I mean, we get this whole thing about Appa and Aang's past and their connection. Like, mm-hmm. that stuff was really cool. I really like that. We get to go to another air temple. Mm-hmm. Uh, we get to think about who this guy, guru is and, like, what is the message he has? What was his vision about? What kind of help was he going to provide? What is he? Is he a... Uh, is he an Earth Nation? Mm-hmm. Is he an airbender? Or is he is he an air nomad? Is he what is he? Yeah. Don't know. Don't <laughs> there I didn't and I'd have to go back and look. I didn't see any things that would be indicators in any particular direction. No, I mean and like the color of the clothes is sometimes not mm-hmm, mm-hmm. an actual helpful way of figuring that yeah, out. Yeah, nor is like the uh for lack of a better word, like race like the skin color like yeah he's like darker skinned right mm-hmm. um and I, have we seen people who look like him even like the style of his clothes no i feel like we have yeah. like he seems like just a different like he's on his own <laughs> yeah doesn't he? yeah so like I'm, I'm i'm very i'm very interested i'm very interested in him being a guru as well right mm. uh a guru is a teacher right mm-hmm. a powerful teacher what does that mean is he some kind of spiritual teacher? Is he our link back to the spirit world, perhaps? Yeah. Um, yeah, like I, he seems like a like a monk philosopher kind of guy. He looks, yeah, looks a little bit like Diogenes in the School of Athens painting. <laughs> you know, I would be open to a di- to a Diogenes in this story. That would be great. So yeah, like there's all kinds of things. And then lastly, just like where do we go from here? Yeah, like and and not like. I don't like. I don't know where it can can go, but it can go in so many places, so many directions that it just. This was a thrilling ending to an episode that I didn't know was going to have a thrilling ending. Mm-hmm. I thought it might end with them getting reconnected, and which I would, lo- which I would love. I want to see that, but this was almost better. Yeah, because it's like, wow. I don't know. I mean, things obviously seemed like they were getting better for Appa, but where he's at right now. I don't know. Yeah. Plus, Appa just has this thing tied to his horn, right? Yeah. Could the I mean, if the Dai Li look at him, like, could they get this message? What is the message? Yeah. And and again, it does remind us how interconnected things are. So it's like, oh, Suki and her crew are on a missions, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? And um, the mean girls are out there, and like everyone is kind of coming towards this one place. So we're like a couple episodes from the end of the season. They're coming to this place, but I also feel like the show is pointing us away from it because Suki and, and the 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 warriors they seem to be going away from Bossing. Say mm. the Guru seems to be away. Sure, right? yeah. He's at this air temple, so like I don't actually. It could be that uh, that Bossing Say is a red herring where we went there to only realize this is not the answer. Yeah, and what we need to do is get out of here. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, and getting out of there is probably even trickier than getting there, <laughs> right? At this point. Well, but what's interesting is the Dai Li basically said, if you keep talking about the war, you're going to be forced to leave. Oh, true. Now they would need Appa to leave, but if they could get Appa. I don't know that there needs to be anything there for them yeah. other than like 
it seems like a huge unit of power and it depends on like what what is it going to take to beat Ozai? Do they need an army to beat Ozai? I don't know. Yeah. I actually, I really don't know. So, yeah, it's it's fascinating because there's so much up in the air and, and I love it. Mm-hmm. Annie, this was a great episode. <laughs> I, I, I was excited to get caught up with Appa. I didn't know that I was going to like this episode as much as I did. Uh-huh. And honestly, watching it, I liked it. Taking notes, I liked it even more. Having this discussion on our notes, I like it even more. Like, this is one that is raising in my estimation as we're talking about mm-hmm, it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think if I, uh, in video, on video stories, talk about how lists are kind of stupid, but like, if I was to make a list of like favorite episodes, I wasn't prepared to say how high this would be, but it's higher than I expected. Yeah. Yeah. It's such a good one. Yeah, yeah. So if you could have one episode that was fill-in-the-blank alone, who would you want? And it can be kind of a bottle episode. It doesn't need to push a story forward, but like... Boomy alone. Really? Wow, not <laughs> or, my choice. But... Or Suki. Oh, I wasn't thinking of her, but yeah. But Suki's so dope with everyone else around her, you know? Like, I would, yeah. you know, like I would want her to be like interacting with everyone because yeah. she i feel like she brings out the great things but about it, but if it, but imagine if she had a thing like zuko alone where it was like suki rolls into town and needs to make things right <laughs> that's like, true. I would, that's a thousand. True. but the right the correct answer is iroh right yes i see that's where i would like iroh and boomy because i think that they would just do really bizarre things yeah <laughs> in yeah. their free time yeah yeah <laughs> are you more of a boomy or more of an iroh like which are you more drawn to um because they both are know. kind of mad geniuses in a way. Right. You know? I think um, uh, Boomy's more chaotic. Iroh's more gentle. So I don't know. See, I, because of the chaos, I'm an Iroh guy. Yeah. It's like, I, <laughs> I like Boomy in an episode. I don't know that I would want to watch a show about, like, a full, like, season about Boomy. But I would watch, I mean, I've, I'm on record. I'd watch 10 episodes or 10 oh, seasons of Iroh. It'd be so calming. It'd be, like, feel good. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Oh. Well, maybe sometime. So do you want to talk about the Avatar news that, that came out this week before we uh, close the yes, show? Yes. Speaking of all these spinoffs that we've been just hoping for, uh, Nickelodeon um, has something they call, is it Avatar Studios? Yeah. Or Avatar Studio? Yeah. Was it Nickelodeon or Netflix or both? Or It what? might be combined with Netflix. It's definitely Nickelodeon. Okay. Um, and yeah, they're, I guess they're going to be creating more content. Uh, I don't know anything beyond just that it's a thing that's going to happen. So I don't I don't know that they've pitched any ideas or who's on board with it. Hopefully, John O'Brien is out there making his Iroh Cheers TV show. Making our Iroh I, Cheers our show. Iroh I don't think Cheers. he's pitched that. I think we have. True. Although he, I want him on the staff. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, you and I will be like <laughs> running it, but. Uh, no, I just want to cash checks. I don't I don't <laughs> want to do any work. I just want to watch it and cash checks. Wouldn't you want to like do a little bit of voice acting? Oh, if I could be a character. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Man. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, so that's exciting. So so here's what we want to do. We we don't often, like, uh, throw out, like, calls to action. And this is a very mild call to action. <laughs> if you've made it this far in this, what I presume is very long episode. I haven't actually looked at the time <laughs> yes. code on this. If you've made it this far, I want you to email us, channel3900 at gmail.com, and pitch your spinoff show. Yeah. Who's in it? What's it about? Uh, yeah, whatever whatever show you and, and we'll, we'll let's say it's ten episodes. It's ten episodes. 
streaming on Netflix from Nickelodeon's Avatar Studios. Uh, it can it can exist in the time period of this. It can exist before. It can exist later. You can make up characters. You can say, I mean, like like I would. I mean, mine is is I want the I want the Kiyoshi story. Like yeah. that. I think that's the story I would want to see. Yeah, I would be really into that. Um, although I would also watch the the Cheers. <laughs> <laughs> I wrote Cheers or um the the women Airbenders. <gasps> yeah. Right. Yeah. Well. Yeah. <laughs> the Eastern Air Temple or yes. whatever it would be. Yeah. yeah. I'm trying to think like what uh connected to something else though. Like like it would be women airbenders, but like what uh what kind of show would it be? Mm, I'd have to think about it. Okay. A documentary. <laughs> no, just no <laughs> What do you think the women airbenders are like? I don't know. That's why it's so intriguing. Right? Yeah. I mean it or it could just be like a a convent and you know, yeah. that would be chill too. Oh, it could be like uh, the musical um, in the convent. Sister Act? No, <laughs> it's the other one. Sister Act. How two? do you solve a problem like Maria? Oh, the sound of music. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, Sister Act takes way more time in a convent than than actually the sound of music does. That's sound of music's true. just at the beginning and like kind of in the middle a little bit. How about this? How about this? Because we know we've seen Gyatsu and he's a prankster, right? Oh yeah. What if we had something that was like a fraternity sorority prank war Ooh. between the different air temples? Yes. Or, oh, no, that wouldn't work. I was going to say Bachelor, Bachelorette, but. Yeah, I don't yeah. know. I don't want to watch that. <laughs> also, with the monks, it might not work out. <laughs> right. Okay. So, if you if you have enjoyed the last, like, six minutes where we talked about this, we have a show called Tweet Victory, which is basically this. Um, but we need to end this episode because it's, yes. it's really long. But, Our apologies. Channel3900 at gmail.com. Send us your pitch. I want every one of you who hears my voice. It doesn't have to be a great pitch. It doesn't have to be perfect. Like, I just want to hear ideas for a show you would like to see. Um, email us. We'll talk about them at the end of episodes. If if you send them in, we will give we will each episode. We'll we'll spend a little bit of time with a new pitch for a show. I might work on my Kiyoshi pitch and try to figure out like what what I want that to be. But yes. I, but I I like the prank war. I love um, Iro and and Zuko. Cheers! Like yes. I, I I love that in Bossing Say T Shop. That's just that's 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 the leader in the clubhouse right now. That's a perfect show. <laughs> All right, Annie, that is all the time we have. This was really fun. You can uh, go to avatarwithacademics.wordpress.com, check out all of our old episodes, email us, channel300 at gmail.com. Um, and, yeah, we would love to hear your thoughts. If you'd like to be on the show, we'd love to inter- interview you. We only have a few weeks left while we're going to be doing this in person. Mm-hmm. So enjoy the audio quality now. <laughs> Uh, the Zoom calls actually sound pretty good, but they don't sound as nice as when we when we're here together in the room. But Annie's gonna be moving to Seoul. When do you move? When's the? Um, uh, March fifteenth. March fifteenth. So yeah, we the this is February twenty sixth. We're recording this on. So uh, there's only a few episodes left in season two, but only also a few episodes left before we uh, before we shift to doing set a distance. But we we are committed to 
getting all the way through season three. Although there may be some weeks where we have to take a week off because we're actually, this is, this is not our job. (laughs) We actually have very, very busy jobs, but we're going to do our best to make this work. I also don't know what time of day we will record. Yeah, that could be, that could get interesting. Yeah. Yeah. We'll try to find something that works for both of us. Yes, Uh, It's only once a week too. We can make, we can make something work. Yeah. All right. uh, We have talked too long. I just don't want this episode to end. I I just really, really enjoy this. Um, But we will be back next week with Book 2 Earth, Chapter 16. Lake Logai. Lake Logai.